Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this time of worship, God, where we can just come and be in your presence. God, I pray over anyone that's here this morning that needs just a touch from you. God, I pray that you'd minister to their hearts. God, that you'd minister to them where they need a touch from you, Lord. God, we love you. We thank you for your presence. We pray that you'd be honored in the rest of our service, Lord. We love you and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. I want to share a song with you guys this morning. Um, this song has, has been played a lot in our house. Um, it's my wife's favorite song and um, favorite song at the moment anyway. Uh, but, you know, we've, we've learned, um, Sarah and I have been married for seven years, known each other for eight years, and, and the Lord has allowed us to go through a lot of different things where, where you, a lot of times you look and you just go, man, I just don't see the way. I don't see how this is going to work out. But we've learned going through all those different things that when the Bible says that God is faithful, it means he's faithful. And when you can't see the way, somehow he makes a way. Sometimes it just makes no sense at all, but he's always faithful. And, and I just thought, you know, during the Christmas season, I feel like there's, there's a lot of times we get really stressed out. Uh, finances are tight. You know, maybe maybe this is a first holiday without a loved one, or maybe you just there's just lots of different things. And and as I listen to this song, this song's called "The Red Sea Road," and um, the chorus says this: "It says we'll sing to our souls, we won't bury our hope. Where He leads us to go, there's a Red Sea Road. When we can't see the way, He will part the waves. We'll never walk alone down a Red Sea Road." And we just. Sarah and I have just gotten to it. We just, we love the words of this song because it's so true that no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, he's faithful and he will take you through the situation when you can't see it. So the song is called Red Sea Road. We've buried dreams, laid them deep into the earth behind us said. Our goodbyes at the grave, but everything reminds us God knows we ache when he asks us to go on. How do we go on? We will sing to our souls. We won't bury our hope where he Consume 
and we're scared to follow you. We will sing to our souls. We won't bury our hope where he leads us to go. There's a red sea road when we can't see the way he will part. So after church today, we've got chili over there in the gym. Never a bad day when you can have some chili. So come on in and we'll enjoy ourselves. I think there's going to be judging on the best chili and pies too. So pie's not a bad deal either. Uh, let's remember last week we had a real push on our mission giving. Our goal is $35,000. Let's look and see. You can see that last week $42,461 was giving for our Christmas offering challenge, and so we went over our goal, $7,461. Amen. And I believe we had another uh, 7000 that was pledged, so I expect that that number will increase. Thank you for your giving to what the Lord's doing. I want us to have a time of prayer this morning for Bob Brown. Bob is... Uh, declining very, very quickly now. Um, matter of fact, he's, he, he appears to be declining daily more than the day before. Um, he was able to sit up in a chair and talk on Thursday, and Friday afternoon he was, he's been in his bed since then. And so be with him and, and, the, and of course, uh, Paula and the boys and Sue, of course, and their grandchildren. So I'd like this morning for us to be able to pray and um, we've, you know, we've known Bob and Sue a long, long time, and they're special to us. And uh, Bob was constable here in, in our precinct for years, and he uh, always saw that as ministry, and he helped lots of people, believe it or not, as a constable. And um, 
I, I can remember he'd come by every now and then, and he had an eviction notice, and he was torn up over it. He'd say, Lee, they've got kids, and you know it's my responsibility to go do this. And he would say, but I, I think I'm going to go slow. I may put that on the bottom of the list and give him a little more. You know, he really hurt for people that were going through hard times. And, of course, uh, Sue Brown uh, speaks for itself. Very special people. So let's pray for them. Lord, we just lift up the Brown family to you this morning. Father, we just pray for your comfort and your healing. First of all, we're so thankful that Bob is your child. He knows you. Evidence is overwhelmingly clear. We know, Lord, that you are preparing a place for him. And Lord, we just pray for a release of him from his present situation. And Lord, that he will be whole again. We just pray, Lord, that you comfort Sue and strengthen her this time. And we're thankful, Lord, for this, this sweet, loving family that's been a blessing to many of us through the years. And we just pray, Lord, that your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, Acts chapter 11. The church of Antioch was a gift. It was a gift to their city. It was a gift to the world at that time. It's a beautiful thing when a church is a gift. The body of Christ should never underestimate its value to the world. And we should all strive and seek to be a gift and I think that the church in Antioch in Acts chapter 11 gives us a beautiful picture of what that looks like. So let's begin. Verse 19. It's a beautiful thing when a group of believers embrace suffering and hurt. It says in 19, Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch speaking the word to no one except Jews. Now, they embraced suffering. They embraced that Stephen was martyred. And at the end of chapter 7, Stephen is killed, and it begins in chapter 8 by telling us that a great persecution was unleashed in Jerusalem, and the disciples scattered and they preached the good news wherever they went. God always uses suffering and hurt and pain among God's people. He always uses it. He always has. It is, it, there is no question that when Satan attacks a group of believers, growth happens. Physical growth, spiritual growth happens, and numerical growth happens when God Attack, when Satan attacks a people. And when that people, when they will take that suffering and that hurt and they will release themselves to whatever God desires to do through that suffering and pain, God just works in a wonderful way. And so the plan of Satan obviously was to attack the church, kill the church, persecute the church. And what the Lord did backfired on Satan and their church grew. So, it's important that we understand that God uses our hurts and pains, that He uses our losses, and we need to embrace our suffering and put it in the hands of God and so that God could do what He desires to do with it. Verse 20, 
But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. So this was the Greek-speaking Jews that, were sh that the gospel was shared with. Now the interesting thing about verse 20 is they're unnamed. We will see in this passage that Saul is named, that Barnabas is named, but these men are unnamed. They're not the most important people. They're not the stars of the church. They're not the ones that everybody knows about today. We don't even know who these people are. It just says some men, some people, just a few, just some people, ordinary people, went about doing what God wanted them to do. And they traveled and they preached the gospel and God used it. It's a beautiful thing when unnamed people just do what God wants them to do. It's a beautiful thing. We live in a day of superstars in the church. You know, today they say you've got to have a real big, nice building. You've got to have a superstar speaker, someone that can wow people, someone that can really entertain as they present the gospel. You've got to have the, you've got to have the song director that, that has all the right things going for them, and it's got to look like this and sound like this, and then you can do the kingdom work. Well, that's not true. If just some people would just do what God wants them to do, some people would just do what God wants them to do. God will bless it. And so the interesting thing we find here is unnamed people were doing the work. And so when unnamed people, ordinary people like us, are just faithful to what God wants accomplished, we're a gift to Alito, Parker County. We're a gift to the state of Texas. We're a gift to the world. It is interesting that so far away from some place in the world that God has called us to work in, we're a blessing. We're a gift. And that's the work in the hand of God. Verse 21. And it says, And the hand of the Lord was with them. Once again, not the fancy, not the most eloquent, not the stars, not the named, the well-known, but just the ordinary people. And the hand of the Lord was with them. The hand of the Lord was with them. He was blessing them. He was strengthening them. The Holy Spirit was at work. The hand of the Lord was with them. It says, And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. What a beautiful thing it is when the hand of the Lord is with the people. Their heart, their faith, their obedience is just walking down the road of being great commissioned Christians. And one place that I know for sure the Bible says to us that the hand of the Lord will be on us is when we're going about doing what Jesus said to do in the Great Commission. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded. And he says, and I am with you always 
till the end of the age. And so the church that is a blessing, a church that is a beautiful thing in a community, is a church that is about the Great Commission. Converts are made. Converts are discipled. The gospel is preached. People are taught. People are held accountable because Jesus says, teach them to observe everything I've commanded. That means accountability. When we are about the Great Commission, the Scripture says to us there, the Lord is with us always. The presence of the Lord. The hand of the Lord is with them. His presence. And so this church in Antioch had the hand of the Lord with them as they were about carrying out the Great Commission. It's a beautiful thing when the hand of the Lord is on a people. Now look in verse 22. It's a beautiful gift when the testament of the church travels. In verse 22, the report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. This report traveled to Jerusalem. And it was such a, a, a report of life and activity and energy and, and the work of the Lord. They said, we're going to send Barnabas, one of our main leaders, to go and observe what it is the Holy Spirit is doing there. We need to see. We need to hear. We need to know. And of course, there's a little bit of, let's, let's verify what's taking place there. And so the testimony of the church of Antioch traveled. Now, remember, embracing suffering, embracing the difficulties in life, just accepting it, just recognize it, and, and everything that happened, just rejoicing in the Lord and, and just making the most of Him through those hard times. Just ordinary people living out the, the Great Commission, the good news, the gospel. Just living it out. They didn't wait for the preacher to do it. They didn't wait for some well-known missionary to come into their town to be about sharing the good news. They, some people just got after it. Some people just shared what they understood to share, the good news of Christ. And the result of that is the hand of the Lord was on them. So there's nothing sparkly happening here. Nothing unusual in as far as what man is able to put forth. You know, so many times we're convinced that what we need to do is put our best foot forward. And the Bible tells us, no, that's not what we need to do. We just need to honor the Lord Jesus and be faithful to Him and, and just let Him do what He desires to do in a community of believers. You know, we don't need anything but the Bible, the Holy Spirit, and the Lord's people who are faithful. That's all that's needed to carry out what God wants us to do. We could be in a barn with a dirt floor. It'd be okay. We could be beside trees. It'd be okay. As I have shared with you many times, one of the most vibrant churches I've ever seen in Cambodia didn't have a building. They worship under trees and we were able to build them a facility so they could get out of the rain. When it rained, the monsoons came, but all they had were trees. It's all the stuff that we've added and we believe that we've got to have to do what God wants. It's all man-made. 
And these folks just did what God asked them to do. And they were a blessing to the world. And so when you do have things, we understand that the things don't do it for us. The things only need to be a tool in the hands of God. And we need to never move ahead trying to accomplish anything without simply following the Holy Spirit's lead and doing what He wants us to do. But the news of this church traveled and they sent Antioch. Look what happens when Barnabas arrives in Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, (laughs) he was glad and he exhorted them to all remain faithful to the Lord with a steadfast purpose. So when Barnabas gets on the scene there, I'm sure he had some some ideas of what might be going for. I'm sure he had some suspicions. I'm sure that people talked to him in Jerusalem and said, now, Barnabas, be sure to look for this. Be sure to look for this situation, this problem, this, what, you know, there was probably some rumors that had floated around. That's just the way people are. But what Barnabas sees and what he reports as seeing, he sees the grace of God. Now, how in the world do you see the grace of God? Well, grace is seen when people are loving each other. That only happens with the hand of the Lord. And for people to love each other, there's got to be a healthy understanding of God's grace. And so I don't think it's, it's conjecture. I don't think it's a wild thought to say that the people were loving each other genuinely. They were doing what Romans 12 says us to do, for us to authentically love each other. Just don't say you love each other, really love them. And so grace is seen when God's people love each other. Now, that's a simple thing, but if we're honest about it, it's a thing that doesn't happen as often as we think it does, as often as it should. And we need to be loving to each other. We need to be authentic with our love. Grace is seen when people are being transformed. We know that to be true. That happens only when God goes to work. Grace is seen when people forgive one another. Forgive one another. I believe that that's what he saw. He saw people forgiving each other. He saw people loving each other. He saw people being transformed into the image of Christ, which comes by grace. I think that grace is seen when people are accepted. I think he saw that. I think he saw the new converts being accepted. I think he saw the new people being accepted. There was an accepting nature, an accepting spirit in this church. That's why he was able to see grace. I think that one of the things he saw is, is clearly seen when God's people are, are doing the things that God wants them to do is the people might disagree, but they're not disagreeable because grace is on them. The reason why I know that is because when the hand of the Lord is on a group of people, what Christ matters is far more important than anyone's opinion or agenda or position on the debatable matters. 
Churches get sideways. God's people get sideways usually over the debatables, not the non-negotiables. The non-negotiables, who Jesus is, how salvation happens, the blood atonement, Jesus coming again, the Word of God. They usually get sidetracked on the debatables, how you do things, where the Scripture hasn't specifically said, this is how you do these things, that the Spirit has given us understanding to make our own choices in some areas. And that's where God's people struggle. But when grace is seen, the debatables don't get in and cause a splinter or a schism to, to take effect in the body of believers. And also in verse 23, it sees here that they were faithful because Barnabas exhorted them to all keep on being faithful. And so we're right to assume they were already faithful so they could remain faithful. Man, isn't it a beautiful thing when God's people are faithful? Following through with what God has said to do. Keeping their commitments. Keeping their promises. Being faithful to Him. Man, have we not been bombarded with stories of unfaithfulness in our nation the past several weeks? Isn't it crazy that every time you read the newspaper or turn on the news, you're expecting someone well-known to be accused of some sexual harassment. Men in, in, in places of high position with a wife and a family, they're saying there's a lot of unfaithfulness that's being reported out there. God's people are called to be faithful. We are called to be faithful to our Lord. We are called to be faithful to our families, to our wives, to our husbands, to our children. And when we are faithful, when we are faithful to what God has asked us to do, it's a beautiful thing that happens because of that. We see in verse 24 a description of Barnabas. And it's interesting here, what is said is interesting, but it's interesting to me what's left out here. Look at verse 24. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, and of faith. That's the description that is given about Barnabas. A good man, full of faith, and controlled by the Holy Spirit. You see, no mention of skill is given. No mention of talent is given. We're normally looking on the outside we're normally thinking about what people are able to do, but what God looks at is the inside, their heart, their character, their virtue Virtue here. And so we see Barnabas being uh, seen as beyond his abilities and his skills. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, Faithful to the Lord. And it says, and a great many people were added to the Lord. So it's a beautiful thing when God's people shine from the inside out. We are not to be focused on the outside in, but the inside out. And then we see that discipleship happens. Now, 
Barnabas sees the grace of the Lord. Barnabas is obviously seeing the work of the Spirit among the church of Antioch. And so he goes to Tarsus and he looks for Saul. And when he finds him, in verse 26 it says, he brings him to Antioch and for a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. So, teaching happened. And so you see two things here, two, two, two ideas here taking place. In the first part of this passage, you see the mention of preaching. And then in the second half, you see the mention of teaching. And so you have evangelism and discipleship taking place in the church. We are a beautiful thing when the church is preaching and when the church is teaching. When we're making disciples, when we're presenting the gospel to, to those who need to believe, and then we're teaching those who believe to be formed into the image of Christ. And so that's what you see here. And then you see a giving spirit. Look in verse 27 through 30. Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined, everyone according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. So you also see in this church of Antioch a giving spirit. When there was a need and the need was made known, the people responded and they gave as they were able to give. That just simply means some gave more than others. Some gave more than others were able to, but every gift matters. And so it's a beautiful thing when a body of believers are known as a church that disciples, a church that uh, grace is seen, a church that preaches and teaches and has a giving spirit. They're not just concerned with themselves. They're not just, they're not out of balance by being inwardly focused. Now, it is a real struggle in the body of Christ to be inwardly struggle versus to be outwardly focused. Inwardly focused because we're around each other. Because a church that has a good fellowship gets where it loves each other and it cares for each other. And the problem happens is, is that when the fellowship increases in grace and love, it is enjoyed so much that if they're not careful, what is a very good fellowship and a very good thing can get off balance easy and they become only inward focused. Now, we are to be inward focused. We are to take care of each other. We are to take care of the weak, as Romans says for us to do. We are to love each other. We are to care. We are to, to meet the needs of those in the body of Christ. But there is to be the right balance between being inwardly focused and focusing outwardly to those who need Jesus. And there needs to be that wonderful balance. 
that can't be orchestrated by the preacher or the pastors. It can only be orchestrated by the Holy Spirit. And it only happens as God's people in a place are faithful, are following, are obedient, are listening to the Holy Spirit and responding to what He does. Never underestimate the value to a community of ordinary, everyday people having a Bible, reading the Bible, obeying what it has to say, having the Holy Spirit, and having each other. Having each other. It's not bells and whistles. It's not parking lots. It's not buildings. It's not a handsome preacher. Amen. It's God's people being faithful in doing what God asks us to do. Now, we think He's got to have a lot of them. We see here in the Scripture, it doesn't say how many men were faithful. It says some people. Was it five? I don't know. Was it ten? I don't know. But I'm led to believe by this Scripture that it wasn't a lot of people. It just takes a few in the hand of the Lord to cause a real stir in the dark world and the world of light. The best thing that we can do every single day, every single year at Christmas time is for us as God's people to be faithful. And when we are faithful, and when we are God's people in God's design, we are a blessing to our community. We're a blessing. Let's pray. Show us, guide us, lead us, Lord. We are thankful for your spirit among us. We are thankful, Father, for the work that you've done this next week. We're Looking forward to what you do this next week as we are faithful to move forward and be your people in this world. Father, we pray for those who are hurting this Christmas season. We pray, Father, for those who are in a situation of loss, who are grieving. We pray for those, Lord, who are struggling because of you know, unforeseen circumstances. And it's so much harder during the Christmas season. We pray that as we are leaving this building today, that we will be your people with love, with, with faithfulness, with the gospel, and with obedience. And Lord, we pray that you'll work among us and, and, and maybe our guide could be what you did in the church of Antioch. Thank you for that lesson. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, will you come forward?